Welcome to Decoding Duchenne, brought to you by the charity Duchenne UK with me, Claire Ronacres. For many, a diagnosis of Duchenne muscular dystrophy comes out of the blue, and people are suddenly catapulted into a world of doctors, hospital appointments, scans, tests, bewildered by medical terms and procedures they've never heard of before. And the first question that they'll ask will probably be, just what is Duchenne muscular dystrophy? Well, I'm joined by Dr. David Bull, the Head of Research at Duchenne UK, to try to answer that question. Hello. Hi. Let's start with the basics. How does one develop Duchenne muscular dystrophy? So your body is made up of trillions of cells. And in virtually all of those, in the centre, is something called a nucleus. It's a little ball. And inside there is the DNA, which people have heard of. It's the code. It's how you are made. And just to give you a sense of this, if we took out uh, the DNA, which looks a little bit like a ladder... The rungs of those ladder are the coding elements. Each of them are two molecules joined together. So imagine taking that out and joining it together. That DNA in every one of your cells would be about one to two meters long. And if you were to put all of them together, they would actually stretch across our solar system and back again. So in each of your cells is packed a vast amount of information. On that mass of DNA, which is about 3 billion rungs, yeah. there are genes. Humans have about 20,000 genes. The biggest of those genes is the gene for a protein called dystrophin. Right. It's about 2.5 million rungs long, base mm. pairs, but we call it. The dystrophin gene is what determines, makes a protein called dystrophin. In DMD, that gene has either a mutation, it has a piece missing, mm -hmm. it has one or two rungs that are in the wrong place, or it may have multiple copies of parts of itself. And being the, the biggest gene in the body, there may be multiple issues with it. There certainly are. A, a word you will hear used with Duchenne muscular dystrophy is exon followed by a number, perhaps 49, 50, 51, mm -hmm. 53. Exons uh, are in the gene, and they are stretches of DNA that are crucially important, because most of your DNA isn't used to read for the protein. Right. But the dystrophin G, which is huge, actually has 79 little portions of important DNA. And in Duchenne muscular dystrophy, there's what we call, you'll hear it called a hot spot. So in the exons between about 49 and 53, that's where many of these errors, mutations, duplications are. Mm -hmm. So what is the dystrophin gene? What does it do? Well, it produces, it is read to produce a protein called dystrophin. And in the normal situation, if you imagine a muscle cell, it's a very complex piece of machinery. Um, there are elements which do the contracting, the work, and then there are lots of components around it which help that to happen. Dystrophin has the crucial task of holding things in place when a muscle contracts. If you imagine a muscle contracting, everything's crunched and moved around and yeah. then it relaxes. Dystrophin makes sure that it stays in the same place. Now... If in DMD there is a mutation or something missing, the cellular machinery can't read the code. It starts to read it and it stops and it can't go any further. And that means that dystrophin isn't made. Mm -hmm. Now, that doesn't stop the muscles working. The problem is as they use more and more and more, 
the lack of dystrophy in holding things together causes those muscles to become inflamed. They start to fill up with useless fatty material or fibrin, fibrillogen, which is a, a tough stringy protein which really doesn't do anything apart from get in the way. And so uh, patients with Duchenne muscular dystrophy will increasingly have muscle weakness, um, pain, those muscles won't work. Um, and it, it's in your muscles that move you around, it's in the muscles that help you to breathe, uh, and it's in the muscle in your heart. Three different types of muscles, but they're all affected by the lack of dystrophy. Let's talk about the progress of the condition then. So this, uh, as a child, yes. you're born with this condition where you do not produce dystrophin. Yeah. At what point do you start to see this actively affect a person's life? It can vary. Uh, one could see effects at 18 months, two years, often diagnosis. You'll notice that the boys don't sand uh, as, as well as perhaps their, their friends yeah. um, uh, crawling. The, the use of muscles is just something a little bit different. Yeah. Um, and at that stage, that's often when, when, when parents go. And what happens at that stage just continues to manifest itself in a greater way as they get older, is that right? Yes, if, if, if you did nothing, this would continue to get worse. At the moment, that there is nothing that can change the disease itself. But if you did nothing, then um, the boys would continue to get weaker. Often by the time they are 11, 12, 13, they will find walking extremely difficult and, and will go into wheelchairs. And again, if you had no treatments whatsoever, the final outcome is that um, heart muscle, chest muscles that help you to breathe become so weak um, that without any intervention, um, death would occur due to a heart failure or, or difficulty in breathing. And I, I noticed you said the word boys there. This is yeah. not exclusively um, a condition found in boys, but it is pretty much. It is pretty much. Can you the explain why that is? This dystrophin gene is located on um, a particular chromosome. You've heard of chromosomes. We have these pairs of chromosomes. We get one from the father, one from the mother. Now... It's what decides what sex you are. It, well, yeah. yes, it, do, <laughs> it does. Am I right? You, you are. My GCSE biology. Yeah, but the dystrophin gene sits on the X chromosome. The sex chromosomes are X and Y, and they're unusual in the sense that um, females have two copies of the X. Males have one X, and they get a Y from their father. In many, many, many cases, there are duplicates of the genes on the two chromosomes you get from mother and father. And if you have a fault in one of those genes, often the other copy can take over. This is the issue with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It is an X-linked. You only have the one copy. So mothers who have two X's may have one of those X's as, uh, with a mutation yeah. in it. However... They have another X, which is doing the job so that for counterbalances them. It, it counterbalances it. Counterbalances it. It enables them effectively to be symptom-free. But if they have a boy and that boy receives the mutated X, he'll also get a Y from his father, but that's not going to help because there's no dystrophy gene there. So what you end up with is a boy with one X, the only copy they have to make dystrophin is mutated and doesn't work, so they won't produce dystrophin. This is why it's almost exclusively boys, and it is in 99.99%. 
but but it, but it is just worth mentioning that um, you can inherit these mutations. I mean, that's predominantly how it happens. So that was what I was going to ask. That yeah. was my next question yeah. is, you know, how do you get Duchenne muscular dystrophy? Okay. Is it inherited or is it a random mutation right. or a combination? It, it is a combination, but it is primarily through um, inheritance of the X, of the mutated X. But of course, mutations happen whenever conception happens and that um, the cells join and they start reproducing their DNA. Mutations happen, it's how evolution works. Um, and so yes, you could have um, um, a mother with, with two healthy X's, um, but the boy is born uh, on that a particular X chromosome, a mutation happens mm -hmm. during uh, conception and the, the uh, multiplication of the cells. It's, it, it's rare, but... It does happen. If you were a mother who has this um, genetically faulty X chromosome, might you ever be aware that you have it? Do you, would you show any indications in any way? Essentially, um, you, you, may ne you may never know. However, some mothers who are carriers who have um, one, one X uh, chromosome with, with the dystrophy mutation on, they may develop um, a little bit of muscle weakness, some cramps, uh, a bit of pain from the muscle. And in fact, there are superb tests now. Genetic tests can tell you whether you are carrying that X chromosome. So I think there are, will be families who have children with Duchenne who will want to know whether or not they've passed down the faulty gene to their daughters who may in turn inherit mm. it and the the only way so if if if, um, if a couple had a boy and a girl and the, and the boy had um, DMD you could you, genetically you test could the test daughter to the see if daughter she might be a carrier to find out if she was a carrier and currently could you do anything about the fact once you knew you were a carrier not really you can't repair repair that gene but in in the daughter what you would be able to do is know that the daughter is perhaps a carrier uh, and take um, precautions when that girl grew up um, when they wanted to have their own children they could use IVF okay to select for girls only but we're, that, that, we're talking about a future generation and hopefully yeah. by then there will be treatments and things for yeah. Duchenne and the it's whole really landscape exciting may be very at the different what is happening so yeah. let, let's move on to you know to mm -hmm. what is happening so children are developing this disease what what can they do currently to to treat it what can, what can we do to address some of the symptoms as they develop mm -hmm. for about 20 years the standard of care has been corticosteroids predominantly prednisolone what stage do you give that to a child? You, you can start very young. You and can this, start, is, this is a pill yeah. you take daily, is it? Uh, yes, it, it is. They are effectively very powerful anti-inflammatories. They've transformed, I think, the way uh, the d disease develops. You know, with this care, the standard of care now, boys will be living till late twenties, maybe early thirties, and and, and they're late walking 30s. much, much longer. They stay ambulatory for much, much longer. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a brilliant treatment. But there are problems yeah. with this. Yeah. Um, bone weakness. Um, you will often see um, moon-faced, um, it's called... Um, it's a, it's a, it's a slightly fatness, swollen features. Slightly swollen, slightly face. round. Puberty can be uh, affected. So there are, there are side effects. And the, and the growth is slowed. Growth is slowed, um, so there will be a shortness of, of stature too. Mm -hmm. um, so we are always looking for alternative uh, treatments. So currently, you would probably put your child on, on um, steroids. You would do uh, stretching and night splints. Night splints you use, stretching and splints. And it varies for physio, different boys. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in fact, in terms of the treatment regime for steroids, 
Some boys are on a daily dose, but some people believe that it, it, in order to help to reduce, to mitigate some of the side effects, the boys will be two weeks on, two weeks off. I, I don't think we have hard data that, that says either, but that there, are, there is a rationale for doing it either way. So a, apart from steroids and a physio regime mm-hmm. and potentially a diet and exercise regime. Diet, exercise that you should see your doctor for, yeah. There are issues with the heart and the bone. Do we have any treatments currently that can help with that? Yeah, um, um, a bone uh, treatment has been, is used at the moment, and exercise programs specific to the boy and the stage of development. But again, those sort of things you should see your doctor for because they're not not universal. It's not standard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Beta blockers, is that something Mm -hmm. that's currently used? These are specifically to help the cardiac muscle. So I, now the heart is is the is the big issue. Um, beta blockers have been used um, to treat hypertension for I would say about fifty or sixty years, yeah. and they do that by um, relaxing some of the blood vessels around the body, which effectively makes it slightly easier for the heart to pump around. Other compounds along the same line. You'll hear them called ACE inhibitors, ACEs, angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors. Mm-hmm. Um, the advantage of ACE inhibitors, they're a little more specific, so a lot of people prefer to take ACE inhibitors. And uh, is that currently part of a medical regime that people might have? Oh, yes, it, it is, it but, is. It, but I, I, it, Again, it's, it's not individual. really standard of care. Um, but yes, it is. It will be individual. It'll be down to the individual. So now we've had a, got a little idea of, of how the condition works. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about potential ways to treat it mm-hmm. long term. Yeah. Um, so where are the current areas of research at the moment? Right. Broadly split this into three areas. I mentioned in the dystrophin gene, there are these things called exons. And to make the dystrophin protein, there is machinery in the cell. And it looks for these exons, and it starts at number one, and it works its way through. And as it reads each of the exons, it will make a little bit more of the protein. So we're all 79 are there, you've got the full protein, it works. If there's a mutation in one of these exons, let's say it gets to number 43, and it's either missing or it's, it's mutated, the machinery stops. And the problem is that it often cannot start again. That means dystrophin doesn't get produced. So I've heard of these exons skipping. Which is where we are. (laughs) You've got to skip over that exon somehow. They actually have to fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. So it's not a question of just, oh, let's miss out 43 and start again. Because it may be that 42 won't stitch together with 44. Right. We may have to skip a little bit more. We can engineer the drugs to do that a smaller version of the dystrophin will be produced. And it could be quite so a bit smaller. So you're making it a truncated protein? Shorter, you'll hear it called microdystrophin. Okay. It's, it's tiny, it's shorter. How do you skip? There are things called oligonucleotides, and it's complex mechanicals, but it allows the machinery to, to, to literally to link across and to follow that over to the next functioning exon that is capable of being stitched together. That's the important thing. But then... You get a microdystrophin, a short form of the dystrophin. It's functional, not as good as the full-length dystrophin. So where are we, are we well, with the research into this kind of thing? Okay. Are we seeing it in, yeah, we, in we, animals and people? No, we, we, we've in seen the, the preclinical trials. It's, it's in, exon skippers are in clinical trials now. One of the issues with the exon skippers is that each drug 
has to be tailored to the specific mutation of the boys. Gosh, and so, as it's such a long gene there and an awful lot of exons, it's quite a variety. Yeah, and so companies are focusing on this hotspot that I mentioned. Is there one mutation that is more common? 51 would be one, um, 49, 50. The, these are the yeah, 49 to 53. Yeah. Yes, they are. And so how do you get this exon skipper into a person so it can be effective? That is a, a big issue for us because you can't take a tablet. This, is, this, is a, this, is a, this molecule is a complex m- molecule which if you took it as a tablet, your stomach would see it as food and digest it. So it's not going to work like that. Flush it away. That'll you be can't it. put it nakedly, usually, and the modification, but usually you can't inject it because, again, your body is designed not to get these. What we can do is use nature. Viruses for millions of years have been invading animals, humans. They get into your body. They locate a cell because they've got little um, proteins on there which look for the cells they're interested in. They join with them and they push in their own DNA which tells that cell to make more virus. Right. And that's why you become ill. Now... So there is a mechanism there. Can the scientists piggyback that? We are doing. So we need to find... There's several things we need to do. But the first thing is let's find a virus which is relatively harmless. You will hear commonly AAV, uh, attenuated adenovirus. What we can do, and we are doing, is take those viruses effectively scooping out their own DNA and replacing it with uh, DNA. And I'll talk a little bit more about the the whole microdisciplines. But yes, you can put in your oligonucleotides, your skippers. You can put it in there with special um, molecules which help it to work when it's in. And maybe put some proteins on the outside of the virus so that it's selective, helps it to be a little bit more selective, and we can give an an injection. Injection. This way it goes around the body, like a virus does. I mean, it does what a virus likes to do, which is to travel around, join it with cells and dump its uh, its load inside the cells. So an issue here is that uh, our bodies have been, uh, have evolved to ensure that viruses don't get in wherever we can. You could have an immune response. You have a defense mechanism, yeah. So if you have never seen this virus before, then the chances are it can get into your body, it can stay there long enough to do its job before your body recognizes it and goes through the immune system and it starts to get rid of it. That's great because the drug is already in there. The issue becomes is if we need to re-administer so let's say that we've been, it's been effective, but we need to boost it in perhaps <clears throat> two years' time. Mm-hmm. Well, your body won't have forgotten that virus. And so the next time that it's being given, uh, your body's immune system will simply Reject remove it. it. The other issue, of course, is that boys may have a natural immunity. They may have been somewhere where they came into contact mm. with adenovirus. It yeah. didn't and harm this them. Is, this is proving to be a problem, I think, in it, the research. And that uh, some of the viruses mm. are actually... People already have an immune response they to do. it, so they won't accept it. So they it. won't. So uh, finding the right virus is crucial. Finding the right virus um, is crucial. Or, or finding another way of... To mimic that system. Yeah. Um, so uh, can I talk about um, exosomes? And uh, something that Duchenne UK is um, funding, a big project. Your body produces billions of exosomes each day. They're little bubbles that are made of your um, the lipid that makes your cells. And your body uses them... To, it produces them, it packs them full of um, 
neurochemicals, information, releases them into the bloodstream and they go off to different parts of the body and they do the job. If you've ever had a blood transfusion, you have had billions of somebody else's exosomes. We've just funded £655,000 over three, uh, two years to help produce this. If we could take exosomes, and we can make them, we can make them, and we can put inside them our own genetic information that we want to pass on, a microdystrophin, mm -hmm. which will produce a small dystrophin, the whole copy, irrespective of the mutation. That's the wonderful thing here. So we could we could do we that could is, do would be that. a generic treatment then fantastic, for all people with Dijon. Fantastic. There would be no issue about um, immune response. Rejection. It doesn't matter what you've been exposed to because these things are not immunogenic. And so, so that's a very, very exciting uh, way forward. I, I should probably just say as well at the moment that um, we talked about viruses delivering. Yeah. Companies, uh, you will hear Sarepta, um, ha have done this. They are using viruses also to deliver microdystrophins, the functional dystrophin, which, if it works, mm -hmm. um, will work irrespective of the mutation. And again, Duchenne UK have funded uh, a company called Solid Bioscience, who are doing this. They have started to, to dose boys in trials using AAV mm -hmm. to deliver a microdystrophin irrespective of the mutation. When can we expect to see some results from that? Uh, one to two years. It, it's an immensely exciting time. Um, because for the first time, I think, in the last few years, we're talking about uh, addressing the cause of the disease and not the symptoms. Have we talked about gene therapy? Well, we have. Uh, in fact, this is what we've been talking about. So the delivery of a microdystrophin, the delivery of shortened genes, this, this is gene therapy. Gene therapy is a mechanism. It's a, it's a catch-all phrase, which is about attempting to rectify the impact of the mutated gene by the replacement of some form of substitute. Not the full version, it's just simply too big, we can't get it in there. So exon skipping is a form of gene therapy? It is. And, yeah, it is. and CRISPR. So, There's yeah. a lot of, this is a real buzzword in, right. in genetics, CRISPR. Yeah. People are talking a lot. It's been around for a while. So CRISPR, you'll hear it called CRISPR-Cas9, C-R-I-S-P-R. This, in a sense, this is really what we want to do. What we've talked about up to now is delivering a copy of a gene so that the cell can take that copy and read it and use it. Yeah. What we haven't been doing is addressing the master copy, and that is the DNA inside the nucleus. CRISPR is a way of editing the master copy. The base DNA. The base DNA. It's very, very complex, and I'm not a specialist in it, but what it does is it can be constructed so that it will enter the genome, it will cut out the piece of DNA that it's been targeted to go for, mm -hmm. and it can replace it with something. So we could, in theory, replace the faulty piece in the cell nucleus. So would, they would snip out the bit that doesn't work, and then Put in a bit that load does. in a new one that does. And then, and then the body could create dystrophin? Then it does it itself. Right. It will do it itself. That really gets there the heart are, of the matter. Yeah. But where are we in, the, in this process? <clears throat> okay. I mean, is we, this a long it, way off? Or? We, we are. Yeah, yeah. We, we're years away. It's very theoretical. Away. There are problems. The dangers at the moment uh, relate to how specifically we can make the CRISPR-Cas9 look for the bit it wants. You don't want them to cut out we, the wrong bit of right. DNA. And it's called off-site cutting. 
So um, we, you know, within the next five years, we'll have much more information and better tools to investigate whether or not we can do this. This and is definitely a mid-term to long-term it option. Is. It, it, it is. But it is a it cure, is. potentially. Well, effectively. Dijen UK is leading the way in, uh, in research into this area yeah. and has recently put out a grant call. Can you explain to me what that is? Yes. We have announced that we have £2 million to support um, research projects and we're looking at two different approaches. The first, broadly, genetic therapy yeah. in terms of it could be CRISPR, it could be microdisciplines, it could be exon skippers, it could be delivery methodology. Mm -hmm. The other bit is aimed at those boys who will be less impacted by successful treatments like that, the older boys, because as boys get older, their muscles start to fill up with fatty tissue. But the worst one is this fibrin, fibrinogen. We need to get rid of that, because if we're going to help them producing dystrophin, that's great for the muscle fibers they've got left, but we also want to help them regenerate their muscles. So right. the second area is muscle regeneration, and then fibrinogen reduction. Right. So if people Turning have ideas... Turning back the clock in some ways. Yes. Finding a yes, way for the body to regenerate the, the, the to help the boys develop new... Well, get rid of the fibrin yeah. and then replace it with functioning muscle to reverse some of the effects. Who's eligible? Anybody can submit anything. I mean, if, if you're in a university, it would be fine. The small companies... We, 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 we support small companies. It's the quality of the work and where its focus is. That's what will um, determine how and who we fund. Fantastic. Exciting times then. Amazingly excited. Yeah, yeah. There's so much wonderful work um, going on. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, David. Dr. David Bull, the Head of Research at Duchenne UK. And there's much more about DMD on our website and the grant call indeed at www.duchenneuk.org and more details on research along with our clinical trial finder. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, recommend us to your friends and join us next time.